0: Well, it's 1974. I've just graduated from Diamond High School. I'm headed off to college. My intent is to be the first in my family to ever earn a degree. I was headed toward medical school, I thought. And then I ran into a problem. That problem was called organic chemistry. (laughs) I don't know a doctor that's ever gotten his MD without having organic chemistry. So with that problem, and another problem was that I was in a private school. Willamette University in Oregon, and the tuition for that sophomore year looked like it was unattainable. I had only enough for that first freshman year. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden I discovered Time Magazine, and in Time Magazine there's a story about the that oil companies are going to build this 800-mile-long pipeline across my home state, Alaska. And I'm thinking, aha, here's my opportunity. I have a professor friend of mine that befri- befriended me, we have a racquetball partner, and I called him immediately. I went over to his office with a magazine. I showed him the, with the article about how this Trans-Alaska Pipeline was going to be built. I said, Buzz, I've got a plan. What I'm going to, his name is Richard Allen Buzz Yoakum. I said, Buzz, I've got a plan. Here's the deal. I think it'll take me five days to get home. I think I'll, I th- I'll get home. I can get to Fairbanks. I can hire out of Fairbanks. And when I get to Fairbanks, I'll get a job with one of the unions, and I'll make this much money but I've got to drop out of school. And he looked at me and he said, no, Larry, you will not drop out of school. What I will do is I will give you a leave of absence for one year, but you have to promise me that you'll be back in my office the following September. Well, about a month later, I'm in Fairbanks. I have hired on the pipeline. I'm working with the 798 Union. That was the welders union. I fly up to Franklin Bluffs Camp. 1,100 men, 97 women. Odds are good for some, not so good for others. <laughs> My first job was a, was a welder's helper. I was just buffing these wells off. But then what happened is an opportunity in the pipe gang ahead of me came up, and, it was, and I got to be what was called a bead grinder. bead grinder I liked. It was more physical, a lot more action, an extra couple bucks an hour, longer hours. Everything was perfect. So I'm working as a bead grinder in the pipe gang. Now, the 798 is an interesting group of people. They're from the deep south. It's a union based in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Pipeline is a, pipelining with them is a family business. And that family business all came out of Tulsa. The only thing that 798ers didn't like, 798ers didn't like Alaskans in their union. And the only thing worse than an Alaskan kid in their union was probably an uh, Alaskan Teamster, and some of you've been around long enough to know that there was quite a rivalry between the Teamsters and the 798ers. Anyway, I'm not more than I'm a teenager up there, but I'm actually I'm not I'm an Alaskan kid, so that's working against me. But I'm actually a smart-mouth college kid taking a working man's job. You know, history will tell us if you look at the Klondike, if you look at uh, the California Gold Rush. That most of the money was probably not made by the workers, but that it was made by those people selling different goods and other services to those miners. <laughs> and the Alaska pipeline was not much different than that. On the Alaska, there was an opportunity one time. I spent about uh, five weeks, oh, maybe maybe two, two or three months in a camp called Garbeth Lake. I met a buddy that was, a, uh, made friends with him, and he had his own truck and trailer rig. We worked a deal with Cut-Rate Kid Liquor Store here on Fireweed Lane in Anchorage, and we were buying booze, <laughs> buying whiskey, uh, by case lots at a huge discount. I'm here to tell you that the, all the camps north of the Yukon River were actually dry camps, but I guarantee you the drink of choice in Gralbeth Lake was Crown Royal, and I clearly <laughs> control, I controlled the price of that Crown Royal in that camp. <laughs> All these pipeliners and all these workers, they're hanging around, they don't have any place to spend their money, they've all got pocket knives. I'm looking at this buck knife and I'm thinking that's kind of an ugly knife. My dad gave me a Gerber knife when I was a kid and I had a Gerber knife. So I worked a deal with Gerber Legendary Blades in Tigard, Oregon, and we worked through a sporting goods store in Fairbanks. I'd make a phone call from the camp, they'd send a case of knives up. Folding, Gerber's Folding Sporting 2 29 I sold them for 50 bucks each, but I'd give you, i give you a discount if you bought 10 or more to $40. So, now there was a, we had some inclement weather, you can't weld in the super cold when the wind is blowing and, and snowing, 20 below chill factor, and so there's bus time. Well, what happens with bus time? You might be on the bus for about an hour, you might be on the bus for two days when that snow's blowing. You can't weld in that kind of weather. So what we did is we, uh, but the poker games would bring out. So the way it worked is you'd turn your check in on a Friday, you'd endorse it, the paymaster on Sunday would give you cash. So here was a little window of opportunity for a banker. <laughs> so I'd take, you'd take about $1,200 in small bills out to that pipeline on those Fridays and Saturdays and sometimes Sundays. And it was pretty easy to be that banker. A little pile means it's time to make a loan. Big pile in front of that poker player. Time to go collect on that loan. So as I, an Alaskan kid, I kind of got in with a group of guys, and actually some of them were my teachers in high school. And, <laughs> and uh, we, uh, we uh, ran trap lines. And we had kind of a collection of furs. We had a bunch of lynx and had some wolverine and some pelts, um, a couple of beavers, things like that. Well, these guys from the south, they would go nuts over Alaskan stuff. So I packed a duffel bag full of those pelts up there. And at Adigan Pass one night, we had a fur auction. I sold a, I sold a Wolverine pelt for $800. You can probably buy three of them today for $800. So all that time on that pipeline, <clears throat> my only connection to the outside world was, a, was that professor, that Buzz Yoakum. Every two to three weeks, Buzz would write me a letter. And in that letter, he'd keep me up on what was going on on campus. He'd tell me what my buddies were up to. He told me that my Willamette University rugby team just crushed Oregon State. He told me that, yeah, your girlfriend's seeing another guy, but I don't think she's that interested. (laughs) But the last paragraph in that letter, every time, was virtually the same. And that was, remember, Larry, you will be back in my office the next year. Every two to three weeks, I'd get these letters from him. My letters to him was what it was like working 12 hours days. I worked a 20-week stint one time. And, you know, it, so, they, <clears throat> so my letters to him had what it was like to work on the pipeline, what, it was like, what the people were like on the pipeline. Um, the fact that I paid 100 bucks from a guy with a pickup truck. For, I paid 100 bucks for a watermelon out of a pickup truck that was driving to North Slope. Um, the type of people I was working with. I talked to him about how I was bootlegging whiskey, how much, how much unconscionable profit I was making. <laughs> <clears throat> and I also talked about my banking experience. So, uh, so what was happening was that Buzz and Larry were living vicariously with each, each other's lives through these letters, this correspondence that went on to each other. He wanted to be on the pipeline and I desperately wanted to be back on campus. So if I'd only kept those letters, think of the story it would make. <laughs> So I get back to campus, and uh, I'm looking around, and it's like, um, these kids haven't grown up. What's going on? And uh, I, I, you know, I've got a brand-new pickup truck. I've got, um, got my own apartment off campus. Uh, I've got uh, money for the first time in my life, probably. But most importantly, I've got three years' worth of tuition and living expenses sitting in the bank earning interest. So, and I'm looking around at my colleagues or my other students, and I'm realizing these are a bunch of smart mouth college kids. <laughs> they don't know how tough it's going to be out there yet. So, I get I, the, um, so I, I grew up on this pipeline, so that was actually part of my college education was... Growing up and, you know, becoming an adult through that whole process and living with those 798ers. Uh, I went back, I finally got my degree. Uh, I changed from chemistry to economics. <laughs> I um, actually uh, wrote my senior econ paper was the, uh, uh, the supply and demand of selling whiskey in a pipeline camp. <laughs> you know, there was a certain price elasticity. The price would go up real fast, it didn't come down real fast. So, anyway, what ha- at one point after college, I graduated. I went down to California. I picked up a good corporate job down there. That's where I met my wife. I brought her back. We raised our three sons up here. We had, uh, we've had a good life. Uh, we lived off this last 40 years of good economy in Alaska that the oil industry brought this state. And uh, quite frankly, there's just no regrets. Thank you very much.